Hello and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor to Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. Before we get this episode started and I introduce our amazing guests, I want to encourage you to go check out some content from the past week. Check out episode 82, where I was joined by Matt Issa, NBA writer for basketballnews.com and 137pm. Also, I still want to encourage you to go listen to episode 80 with Chris Oliver of Basketball Immersion. That is an episode that is not time sensitive and a great listen for any and all basketball fans. As always, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Motor City Hoops and subscribe to the YouTube channel so you never miss out on any content. And today the content just keeps getting better as I am joined by reporter for NBA on TNT and host for NBA TV, bringing us some incredible NBA knowledge, Jared Greenberg. Jared, welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, and thank you for joining us. Awesome, man. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. One thing we love about getting non-Piston-specific guests is they give us an outside and unbiased perception and perspective on this team and its players. And with the upcoming trade deadline and massive amount of trade rumors around Jeremy Grant and others, we thought this was the perfect time to get Jared on. So we'll be getting his thoughts on the trade value of this roster, along with his thoughts on Coach Casey, the front office, and the restoration in general. But to start us off, Jared, we're recording this right after the Pistons' 108-135 loss to the Suns on Sunday, a game where Cade Cunningham actually got ejected. He had 21 points in 24 minutes. I just want to ask this, because there was a lot of Devin Book, Booker trash talk. I've always said I would love to set front row at an NBA game. You've set close. You've been right. Like, how cool – I don't know if it's cool. How entertaining is the trash talk uh, that, that goes on in an NBA game? Yeah, it's 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 really cool to be that that close and to, you know, just to see the uh, body language and the back and forth of players and coaches and, you know, just seeing, you know, riding the momentum of the game, how things change. But, yeah, there's no doubt like there's there's certainly uh, and, and it's interesting, uh, the, the players that do talk versus the players that don't talk and some of the stuff. I mean, most of it's just funny, right? Like like today, what happened uh, with Cade was that was just a funny thing, I think, and uh, maybe a misunderstanding, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 I don't take for granted have, having, uh, the best seat in the house. A lot of times it's, it's one of the coolest aspects of the job. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So you brought up the other dynamic and that's actually one as a high school coach that I think would be really cool. Like, what is it like, do you ever find yourself watching those interactions between oh, yeah. player and coach, player and assistant coach, maybe a coaching staff in general? Like, can you just give us a little bit what that's like getting to see that? Maybe the body language, positive or negative that that you've been you don't have to give us specific examples, but just in general. Yeah, no, it's a it's a huge part, particularly when I'm there for TNT and I'm the courtside reporter for a game. Um, you know, that's something that I, I try and pay a lot of attention to is is the interactions between coaches and players, coaches and assistant coaches, um, especially, you know, at the NBA level now when there are so many coaching staffs that have a guy who essentially is like an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator uh, watching them communicate with players and calling out plays. Uh, and also, you know, in the in the NBA, which is is always fascinating, is that like nobody has a secret playbook anymore. Every team has has so much knowledge of what the other teams do. So it's really funny to hear when a play call is called out and then the other team calls it out themselves, like identifying exactly what's about to happen. It's a matter of can you stop it? You know, so those those are the cool things that, that you know, I get to see on a, on a you know, pretty regular basis. That's awesome. I'm so glad you brought that up. Like, that's one thing I'm really into is the scouting again, especially with my high school team. And, and I do, I like that whenever the other team can call out a play and then I can tell our guys exactly what's coming. And so it's, it's cool to hear you talk about that with an NBA game. So you brought up the Cade Cunningham thing, which like you said, was, you know, for Pistons fan, it wasn't necessarily funny, but it's just kind of a weird deal with the point. And, you know, Cade isn't necessarily a huge trash. I want to ask in general, about Cade, I think I feel like fans don't think he's getting a great whistle here. Is this something like fans should just be like, he's a rookie. No rookies get a good whistle. Like, would you agree with that? Have you seen other number one picks get a better whistle? No. I mean, is that just part of, you know, growing up in the NBA and like you, you have to go through those things? Yeah, I think no doubt. Um, and and particularly the, the way Cade plays too, right? Like you can't compare him to, 
you know, other number one picks who are, are bigs, you know, when, when he's got the ball in his hand as much as he does, and he's dictating the offense, uh, he's, he still has to learn the referees as much as the referees have to learn him. And I think as we've seen this year, there's a big transition period with kind of the new, uh, emphasis and, and, uh, of, of the rules for how they're not allowing offensive players to kind of walk into fouls the way they used to. So I think that's something. And then, you know, like what happened today, I think, you know, that's an example of Cade not totally understanding what the officials are are instructed to do in terms of taunting. And and clearly from the official standpoint, it looked, it appeared as if he was pointing right in the direction of Jalen Smith after he just dunked on him, right? And 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 that in itself is an obvious technical foul in the NBA. Now uh Cade come back and says, No, I was pointing at my boys who were in the stands. Well, you just got to learn that if you're going to do that, you got to be a little more inconspicuous about it. Yeah, especially when you already have one technical well, to and, your name. That's that's a great point too. You know, you can't. You know, as 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 you know, as much of a roller coaster as Cade maybe has been on. At times, he's looked really good. At times, he's looked like a rookie. No big deal. Those are things. But but you ha- he has to learn his value to this team, right? And and the Pistons are only going to go as far as Cade goes the next several years, and that's that's something that you know. And, and again, he doesn't have this major history, as you said, of, of being an emotional player like a, a Draymond Green type. But you know, he he has to learn that you can't put yourself in position, or you can't put the referee in position to decide whether you're going to be playing in this game or whether you're going to be in a locker. Absolutely. And I, Jared, I honestly, I didn't ask beforehand. I don't know how much of this specific game you got to watch. I actually only got to watch the first half and then I had practice and some stuff with my team. But did you, if you did get a chance to watch this game, did you have any other takeaways, either specific to Cade or the rest of the Pistons or Cade for the whole year, what you've seen from him in his rookie season? You know, I, I didn't get a chance to watch too much of, of today's game against Phoenix. Um, but, you know, I think that there there are just some young struggles. When, when you're throwing out this lineup of pretty much all guys who are, are four or five years of, of experience or less going up against, you know, arguably the best team in the NBA, that's kind of the result you're going to get. Um, so I, I don't know. I think there are some some obvious uh, struggles today. Um you know, and and nothing major. I think that you're going to point out because again, it was against the Phoenix Suns, a team that's that's been uh, playing some pretty good basketball this year. Uh, but Cade, you know, again, tough for him because dealing with some injuries. Um, I think learning how to play, and I, I'm really curious to see. And I, I, you know, I don't know what the answer is here, um, what the short and long term um, decision is going to be. But we, I think we were all intrigued by. Cade playing in the backcourt with Killian Hayes and how that would go. I don't know that we have found any answers in that. Um, I think Killian has certainly struggled this year. Cade's had his moments where you say, oh, my goodness, he's going to be in the rookie of the year conversation. And then he's had other moments, like I said, where, you know, he hasn't necessarily shot the ball well or or made some great decisions. But I think that um, you you're, you you got to be excited about the future, I would feel, if you're a Pistons fan, about Cade. Um, you know, I think right now he's probably not the front runner for Rookie of the Year, but I also think we've got to keep that stuff in perspective. Like, I understand fans, how much pride they take in in their favorite players or, or um, you know, their favorite team and guys on those teams winning certain awards like Rookie of the Year, MVP, or being All-NBA or whatever it is. The thing that I always caution like fanatics about is that that doesn't necessarily dictate the type of career the player is going to have, right? Like Cade could win rookie of the year and not have a great NBA career. He also, and the more likely scenario, I think at this point is he's not going to win rookie of the year and could still have a really phenomenal career and lead the Pistons in the right direction for the next decade. So you brought this up and I actually didn't have this on the outline. And I actually agree with you, Jared. I I don't think he's probably going to win rookie of the year because the Pistons just flat aren't going to win enough games. And that's okay. Like for me, I I don't really care whether he wins it or not. Like I've just, I want to continue to see what we've seen from him. I want to see it more consistent. You brought up like the turnover issues. That's something he's cleaned up a little bit, but has to be more. Who do you have rookie of the year or who do you think is going to end up uh, winning the rookie of the year in the NBA? I think right now it's, it's, um, it's really a toss up. I think between um, Mobley Barnes and then not far behind them is, is Wagner in in Orlando. Um, I, I think those three guys to me are the front runners and then, you know, Cade would fall behind them. 
Before that, you mentioned the future of the Pistons. And so let's get into that because that's what I really wanted to talk about. And we're actually going to talk about, well, real quick for the listeners, Killian Hayes did leave the bench in the fourth quarter. I, I reached out to some people, tried to get an answer from that. Maybe we'll get something. I don't know if it was injury related or what. Um, but I did want to mention that from Sunday night's game. Hopefully by the time this drops on Tuesday, we'll know more about that. But I did want to throw that out there. But looking at the future, we wanted to talk with Jared about some possible free agents, some possible trade situations, those type of things. So we're going to start with the free agency because they played the Phoenix Suns today or on Sunday. And even though he ended up injuring his ankle and didn't finish the game, DeAndre Ayton is a guy that a lot of Pistons fans are excited about because one, you talked about things they struggled with in this game, the Pistons rebounding, they got crushed on the boards. They don't have a pick and roll lob threat. They don't have somebody that defends the rim real well. So my first question, Jared, is, is there a real chance that DeAndre Ayton walks in free agency this offseason from the Suns? That's it's going to be one of the huge questions, um, you know, that we're going to watch throughout the NBA. And and I was really I, I was caught off guard when when the Suns didn't get a deal done. You know, they had the opportunity to give him a, a contract offer and 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 reach a, a deal that would keep him in Phoenix for several more years. And they couldn't come to an agreement. And and the thing that I you know, was most bothered by or, or could see being a problem is, you know, even if he ultimately gets paid, um, you're you're creating a psychological issue with a player that's unnecessary, right? Like if you're if you're going to pay a guy, um, why make him go out and, and find an offer sheet that essentially you're just going to match? And now he's annoyed that he had to go through this whole process when you could have shown him a year earlier how committed you are to him and that you want him to be a part of your future. And he obviously, you know, he's coming off an NBA Finals appearance, right? Like he 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 showed that he's a big part of a team that if they stay intact and healthy, they're going to be a contender in the West for the next several years. And I think it would be a huge loss for Phoenix if they're unable to to, to keep uh, DeAndre. Um, as, as far as destinations for him, you know, I think that there will be a lot of teams that want him. And, and you know, I'm sure you guys see this too. You know, as much as we talk about this is a, a guard league and per- perimeter-oriented league with, you know, so much an emphasis on the three-point shooting, there's still a lot of really good bigs out there. And in terms of, like, defensively too, you, you, you've got to have the ability to, to guard bigs in this league because there's a lot of teams that have good good bigs. And I think DeAndre Ayton is going to be somebody that more than a handful of teams are going to be willing to give a max offer sheet to next summer. Okay, so you answered my question. That was you. You said gets he's going to get paid. You said at the beginning, and so that was my next question. So you you think there's no doubt he hits restricted free agency? A, a max offer sheet is coming his way. No no question. Yes, absolutely. So I want to ask, and it doesn't have to be specifically to a fit with Detroit. Because I, I don't know how realistic that is, especially a, a him being in that high of demand. And only so many teams will ha- be able to offer that money. But like, what what is he, Jared, in terms of like, so if he comes to Detroit, let's just play this game. Do you, does he fit well next to Cade? Can he be the, the, like, he would be the number two guy in that scenario if no other moves happen, which obviously other moves will happen. Like, is he that guy? Can he blossom into that guy? Um or does he have to be like kind of the role we're seeing him in Phoenix? Uh, I, I think, you know, it's interesting because he could come there. There's a scenario where DeAndre Ayton could come to Detroit and put up better numbers, but the Pistons would lose more games than the Phoenix Suns won, right? Sure, and, and absolutely. I think, I think Pistons fans saw that for years with Andre Drummond, right? Like he was putting up massive, massive numbers that had people calling for him to be, you know, an all-star. You know, occasionally should is he in the mix at the center position for all NBA? You know, th- those type of numbers, all those 2020 games he had, 30-20 games. Uh, but then, then you, you know, you have to ask yourself, are those kind of empty calories or are those numbers that could contribute to winning? Uh, I think that there is certainly, you know, I'm not the, the the best person to ask in terms of the X's and O's. I don't necessarily know what, what Dwayne Casey would do, but I, I know back in his Toronto days, um, you know, he played with bigs plenty of times, you know, whether it was uh, Jonas Valanciunas, um, some other guys that he had throughout the years, he was able to utilize them. And I think, you know, DeAndre is still young enough where I think his offensive repertoire has the chance to be, uh, better than Andre Drummond's was. Certainly, he was kind of limited in what he could do. Although what he did for the Pistons all those years was really good. Um, I, I think that from a rebounding standpoint, you know, he's probably not as good. Uh, but I, I think again, the versatility that Drummond uh, that that 
Aiton brings you uh, is something to be really excited about. Now, I, I mean, maybe you have more insight than I do on this. But I, I have no idea if he'd be interested in Detroit, uh, but but certainly certainly it, it it would make a lot of sense. I feel like, and, and especially with the shooting of you know like a Sadiq Bay, that that's a good four to have next to him. Um, you know, I, I I would really like that. Okay, nice. And so. I want to ask you about one more and then we're going to get to the Pistons roster and trade value and some of that stuff. And that's Miles Bridges. Okay. What, you know, obviously having a big year for Charlotte, again, going to hit restricted free agency. What I just want to ask this first, what kind of contract is Miles Bridges going to hit this summer? And do you think Charlotte is matching no matter what kind of con, you know, what kind of offer sheet he may receive? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I, I don't foresee him getting a, max offer you know okay um not not to say that that can't change but i i also think um his number is going to go up significantly from what the hornets did offer him uh, i think that was reported around either 60 or 80 million dollars there's a big discrepancy in there I, i'm sorry i can't remember off the top <laughs> of my head which one it was but but he's certainly a guy that that's going to be you know north of 15 million dollars a year I, I would think um and obviously you know I, I see the connection there with a guy that's you know from, went to michigan state you know from from flint um you know he'd be be great back in in detroit uh but but something i've learned too and and i think we we went through this with the kevin durant free agency back in the day that like just because guys are from areas and listen, I don't know miles bridges personally. I don't you know, know what, what his opinion on this would be. I'm just throwing this out there because we always want to connect guys to like their home city. Not, not everybody wants to go home for one reason or another. And, you know, I think people in, in particular cities get offended by that, but you know, uh, for, for example, like I, I moved away. I'm not a professional athlete, but I, I moved away for work. Um, and I'm not itching to go back to the home city that, that I grew up in, uh, unless, unless there was, you know, something that was really, really enticing. And I'm not running to that right now. And I, I think we we oftentimes forget that the professional athletes are human beings too who have families and feelings and and desires and 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 geographical things that they care about and and money and taxes are a big part of it. But sometimes people want to live in a warm weather city or sometimes people don't like the warm weather or whatever it may be. So, you know, I, I don't know what Miles Bridges' future is, but I, I certainly think that he's going to get paid big time. I, I you know, his his numbers to start the year were incredible. And he was the runaway, you know, the first two months of the season for most improved player in the NBA. Uh, his numbers are still good, but they have dipped significantly uh, from the first couple of months of the season. So I did look it up and it was a four-year, $60 million offer. That's okay. via, Bleach, via yep. Bleacher Report. Just a real quick Google search. Um, but I really love what you brought up there kind of towards the ear, end, Jared. And that's, these guys, these people are humans, professional athletes, male, female, whatever sport. And I do... You know, we we never really find these things out very often, but I do wonder how much the stuff you brought up plays into these decisions. Like maybe my wife or, or husband, you know, depending on maybe they want to live here. Maybe my kids really like this school. Maybe we like this locale based on, you know, weather and those type of things. And like you say, even taxes, um, you know, where there's no state income tax in, in some of those states. So I, I do think I, I know exactly what you mean. I just moved away from my hometown, you know, 18 months ago. And people are like, what are you doing? And it's like, sometimes there's just things that you like to get away from it. And so I love what you brought up about that with like the different reasons somebody may choose a free agent destination. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And, and that's not to say there, there aren't people out there who do, you know, have, have desires to go home. That, that certainly is possible. But I think we just automatically connect people to certain cities, whether they grew up there, went to college there or have family there. And all of a sudden, you know, we're making decisions for them saying, yeah, they should go back there. And it's like, well, you know, maybe maybe winning a championship is more important or maybe the money is better somewhere else or maybe. Maybe I just, you know, like you said, my my wife or my partner doesn't want to live in that city or, you know, whatever it may be. So there, there's a million different. Absolutely. So let's transition into this Pistons roster and we're going to go through. We don't have to like speak specifically on each player because obviously they're not all going to get traded. But one thing I really wanted to talk to you about is I feel like fans, even myself. Um, as a fan, as someone that watches every game and podcasts about them, all that, like we way overvalue our own players or the, or of the, the players of the team we root for, right? Like it's just 
it's going to happen. And so I wanted somebody to come in and tell us like, no, this is what you should really expect. And I, I, I know you don't like necessarily have insider. Well, you probably do. You can't share it with us inside information on some of this stuff. But let's just start with Jeremy Grant. He's the one that's been talked about the most, been linked to teams like the Hawks, the Knicks, the Wizards, Lakers, on down the line. A lot of people recently have said that Aaron Gordon return is what Pistons fans should expect for Jeremy Grant. Would you agree with that? Would you disagree with that? More or less? Are there other dynamics that may make him more or less valuable? You know, it, it's interesting. I, I think that, um, you know, what we've seen, again, and it's so weird too, right? Like, and you guys saw this last year when, when Jeremy Grant said, you know what, I'm going to go prove that I could be a number one option. And he surprised a lot of people and went to Detroit and started putting up like these massive offensive numbers. And like, wow, this is more than just like a, a defensive stopper type of guy. It's more than like a utilities, you know, Swiss army knife. He's, he's a guy that, that can carry a team offensively. But the problem was Pistons weren't winning a lot of games. So it goes back to what I was saying before. Um, I think, you know, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad comparison. Looking back on on what uh, the Nuggets had to give up to get to get um, Aaron Gordon, the the interesting part about it, and I just covered a, a Nuggets game on TNT the other night, and you know, speaking to people around the Nuggets, like they're still licking their wounds from losing <laughs> from losing um, Jeremy Grant, right? Like sure. they they are forced into a position right now, and listen, they have a lot of injuries, but they're forced into a position right now to ask Aaron Gordon to guard opponent point guards, right? Like that's what they're doing because they still have not found um, a replacement for, for Jeremy Grant since he left the Nuggets. So um, I, I think, you know, what, what's going to hurt Jeremy is that, you know, he, that the one time he put up massive numbers, it, it was on a really bad team. And the other part I think that's going to hurt him in today's game is that, you know, he's just not that efficient of a three point shooter. Uh, but that being said, with the amount of versatile wings that, teams that are competitive that 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 think that they have a chance to go deep into the playoffs and there's a lot of them this year they're going to need uh guys that can go lock up a, a wing you know you just think about around the league of, of how much defense is going to be important these this postseason and and the type of guys like, like you know if you're in the east and you're going to play the nets and assuming that the, that the nets get healthy like you have to guard kd harden and kyrie uh plus you know worry about some shooters out on the perimeter so like guys like Jeremy Grant are are going to be significant and and teams are going to be willing to give up a, a hefty price to, to get a guy like that. So what team, do you have a team that you feel like could really use Jeremy Grant? Like the one I keep hearing, and I don't think it makes sense for the Pistons, but the team that always comes up is the Utah Jazz. And it's because they say they need like what exactly what you're talking about, like a perimeter wing defender with versatility. And obviously Jeremy Grant can do that. Again, I don't know that they have, and we'll get to the assets that maybe you would be intrigued by if you were in Troy Weaver's shoes. But is it a team like the Jazz? Is it a team like the Hawks? That's a name, that's a team that always comes comes up, you know, and then Reddish just got traded. You know, the Wizards are a team. Is there a team that you really hone in on that you think you would make a lot of sense for? Yeah, I think there's a few. I, I think the Jazz certainly make a lot of sense. Um, and, and in particular, you know, with with Joe Ingles, uh, you know, you've heard that maybe that the Jazz are willing to trade him. Um, you know, I, I think Atlanta to a certain degree, it makes sense. But what I think just happened, you know, the, the reason why Cam Reddish got traded when he did was because DeAndre Hunter was coming back off an injury. And I think, you know, Hunter had many people believe, and we saw it in the playoffs at times when he wasn't hurt last year, you know, he has the ability to be a really lock, a good lockdown perimeter defender as well. Um, but a couple of other teams that, that I would certainly look at, uh, I'd look at Philadelphia. I would look, I would look at Cleveland. And I think Cleveland's going to be really interesting throughout all of this uh, because they've been, you know, the biggest surprise in the Eastern Conference so far this year. And the fact that that Rubio went down and they're like, you know what, we need a replacement for him and go get Rondo. I think that shows you that Kobe Altman and that staff in Cleveland is really committed to making the playoffs this year and and not just relying on their young guys, right? Like look what they're asking Kevin Love to do, you know. Maybe maybe they they say you know instead of starting three seven footers with with Mobley Jared Allen and, and Marketing, if we can find a way to get a guy like a Jeremy Grant in there, he would make a lot more sense at the three than Marketing. Um, I also wouldn't uh, you know I, I would never rule out uh, Toronto just because I think that that Masai Ujiri has always got something up his sleeve, even though they've got a bunch of versatile wings there. Um, in terms of the West, certainly you mentioned you mentioned Utah. 
Another team I, I would continue to look at is is Dallas. Um, you know, Jason Kidd didn't come to Dallas to um, to struggle, and I think right now, you know, Dallas just coming off of what they won about eight of eight of their last ten, uh, but but they need some help for Luca and a guy like Jeremy Grant. Um, I'd I'd be real intrigued to see him in that lineup. Yeah, I agree. That's not a team I had heard talked about very much. But as you say, it, I was like, I, I feel like he would be a good fit with with Luca and then with that team in general. And so as you talked about the Cavs, I couldn't help but think about the team that I think most Pistons fans hope Jeremy gets traded to because of what the re, the, the the return that they dream up. And, and that's the Chicago Bulls, who I think fits in the like they're going for it, I would assume, um, with how well they played what they did this offseason. But do you think there's a real possibility they would turn loose of Patrick Williams in a Jeremy Grant trade? Because that's every Pistons fan hope, or not every, that's a lot of Pistons fans hope is maybe they, with him being injured, they'll go for it this year. They trade for Jeremy Grant and then, you know, they get Patrick Williams in return. Well, there's no question that, you know, uh, strike while the iron's hot, right? And right now, uh, people around the league are starting to scratch their head about the Bulls defensively and, and a guy like Jeremy Grant certainly could could help them um you know i, I don't know uh, uh, you know if if patrick williams is somebody the bulls would be willing to give up and and again to the extent of of his injury as you mentioned he's he's out for the year so um you know do the pistons want to take that back you know and let's let's remember the, the pistons and again obviously a much different caliber of player we're talking about here but the pistons medical team just turned down a deal for bull bull Right. And again, that was going to be more of like, let's throw something against the wall and see if it sticks. And they didn't even get to that point because the physical never went pause, never went right. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I have no idea what, what the Pistons would be thinking for a guy like Patrick Williams. Uh, but but I definitely feel like next to DeRozan and Levine, especially with Alex Caruso out, uh, the Bulls could use s- some perimeter defense. There's there's no doubt about it. So I want to go into the three sophomores. I mean, Saban Lee, the, the three first round sophomores and more like this is just going to get a feel for what the league feels about these guys. Let's say they were going to package Jeremy Grant for a bigger fish. You know, they were going to go after someone better than him. So they needed to add someone to him. So the three sophomores, the first round guys, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay. I think I know who has the most value around the league between those three guys it's got to be Sadiq Bay, right, yeah, Jared? No question. No, and 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 I love Sadiq's game. You know, I remember watching him in college. I'm a big Villanova fan. Um, you know, and and I I just think that he, I can't believe that that he fell as far as he did, especially you know with with the pedigree he came from in in Villanova. But um, you know, he's a guy who struggling in terms of his efficiency this year, both. Uh, two point two pointers and and three point field goals, uh, and I think that'll eventually start to improve. I would imagine he's he's working on that, uh, but yeah, I think he's got the highest upside there. And I'd be I'd be disappointed as a as a Pistons fan if if he wasn't a part of the the, the solution for the long term future. And then you know second, I, I would definitely go with uh, Isaiah Stewart. You know, I think um, still learning the the league, still learning the game, but um, you know certainly an undersized, very undersized center. Uh, but a guy that goes and, and rebounds and hustles and plays hard and um, man, I, you don't want to get into a fight with him after what <laughs> we saw him do with LeBron a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, he, he's just really fun to watch um, in, in terms of his game. I don't, I don't know that he's necessarily a starting center on a team that's going deep into the playoffs, but if he's somebody that you can have uh, coming off the bench for you on a good team, that he'd be excellent. I agree. I want to talk about the three vets on the team real quick. And just again, just to kind of see if maybe they needed to be attached and and all that. So that's Kelly Olenek, who's just coming back. There was a chance, I think, that maybe he was going to play Sunday night. So hopefully he's going on the West Coast trip. Trey Lyles, Corey Joseph. So just a a quick breakdown. Olenek, obviously the best player of those and on a good contract, 12 million um, and only three million of that's guaranteed in the third year. Lyle's showing some really good stuff playing as a small ball five, has a club option next year. Kojo, veteran point guard five. Like, are any of those guys that may would be intriguing around the league for a playoff team who's like, yeah, like we could bring them in, put them in our second unit, and they would be helpful? Yeah, I, I think to a certain degree, all of those guys, um, you know, Olenek. You know, you always have the injury concerns with him, but, you know, he's been on teams that have been really good, whether it's uh, 
you know, Boston or Miami throughout the years. And I think in, in terms of being, you know, a, a stretch four or small ball stretch five, I, th- I think, you know, teams see a lot of value in that. Uh, I've been really impressed with, with Corey Joseph this year. Um, and, and I don't know if it's just like a Dwayne Casey thing, uh, but, you know, second time that, that he's playing for Coach Casey and he's put up some really good numbers. And I think he's having, uh, if I recall, he's having the best shooting year of his of his career, um, you know, and I think just real a real stable backup point guard uh, that, you know, I, I don't know how much value he brings, but you look around the league, if there's an injury somewhere, he might be somebody that 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 teams would try and target for, you know, maybe a, a protected second round pick or something like that. So I want to ask about Bull Bull because you brought him up just real quick and we don't have to spend a lot of time on this at all, Jared. I did a, a breakdown on him and and came away. It was, it was a mixed bag. I, I've quickly tempered my expectations, but he was a big name. So it got a lot of publicity and a lot of talk. Obviously, it didn't go through. But just real quick, was was there anything that Pistons fans should really feel like they missed out on with Bull Bull? What, what are your thoughts on Bull Bull? I know there hasn't been a lot of minutes or games. I understand yeah. that. But what are your thoughts on Bull Bull? Well, listen, I, I try and uh, temper my emotions from from Summer League because I know Summer League is what it is. But I got to call a lot of his games in, in Summer League <clears throat> this past year in Vegas. And, you know, we, we've heard for years, uh, th- this guy's just an athletic freak. He, he's a 7-2, uh, you know, looks like a center, but plays like a point guard. And granted, he's not really had those spurts. Um in, in real meaningful NBA minutes, but I think the Pistons made, made a great, um, made, made, made a great reach, you know, to say, let, they didn't give up much to get him. Um, and, and I think he's the type of guy where let's, let's be honest about, about Detroit right now. They're, they're in a position where they're not winning much. Uh, and, and, and due to the fact that they're not winning, they're probably not going to be very high on a lot of free agents lists. So if we can get a guy that we don't have to give up much for that his ceiling is through the roof. Now, his 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 uh, basement is also potentially <laughs> really low, too. Right. Like we have nothing to lose. Uh, that's to me why it was so alarming that they failed his physical and didn't you know overlook the physical aspect. And, and who knows if we'll ever find out what exactly uh, the Pistons doctors didn't like about it, because I felt like it was a a win-win situation for the Pistons to try and maybe uncover, you know, a diamond in the rough and, and just say, you know, it didn't work out for you in Denver for many reasons. We are low on talent. This guy has the potential to, if, if our player development people can, can, you know, get him in the weight room, get him on a, a meal plan, get him to learn more about how to play basketball, figure out defensively who we can match him up against you know, maybe he becomes a guy that at the very least comes off the bench for us and gives us some meaningful minutes. And and I think it's it's disappointing that he won't get that opportunity in Detroit. And I'm real intrigued to see what happens next for him. And, you know, I I was there draft night when he was the last guy in the green room. And and just the look on his face, you just you you're, you're tugged at your heartstrings like you just felt awful for him, how he just slid on draft night. And now it feels like the same thing. Like, imagine Imagine the, um, the the emotional roller coaster of a team who you felt you know you could have been a part of because they had championship aspirations in 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 uh, Denver. You know, before all their injuries to Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, they have the MVP of the league. They have a, a realistic chance of going far. You think you might be able to play a pivotal role? They they can't find any minutes for you at all, and then they trade you, and then the trade you know is public. It doesn't go through. Now you have to come back to Denver. Like that—that's the worst case scenario in a trade. And and I—I I feel bad for Bull Bull. I, I hope that you know emotionally, mentally, that uh, that that he's okay. Yeah, that's what. I found the same kind of emotions. And and even though after I looked at the film, I had to temper my expectations, I was still excited. Don't get me wrong, because of all the things you talked about. And like you say, like he had to feel like whether he necessarily wanted to come to Detroit or not, we all are aware that it's not necessarily a huge destination and they're not very good right now. We all admit that. But he was probably going to get a chance to play. Like yeah. the Woj report said he was in the plans to get minutes. And so even if that was exciting for him, like I'm going to get 50 games, to 40, 40 games to go prove myself and then sign a contract this offseason or get another contract and that's what's interesting this summer like is he going to get signed is he going to pass the physicals for those teams and like you say you just kind of have to feel for bull bull um in that whole situation 
But I, to switch gears again, you, you brought up Coach Casey and kind of bringing out the best in Kojo. And so I just want to ask you, what's the kind of the league-wide perception of Coach Casey? And, and I'll just give you a quick rundown for people in Detroit or fans, not necessarily mine, but in general. And I don't mean to speak for all fans, but they don't always love the, I guess what they would say, a lack of X and O's creativity on offense. Um, they, they really are clamoring for more ball screen usage for Caden Killian right now. But I do think people feel like he's good at turning these young guys into pros. Like he's a good guy, a great coach and mentor for this young group. Is that who he is league wide? Would you disagree or agree with any of that? I, I think Dwayne Casey is one of the most well-respected and well-liked coaches in the NBA. Um, I, I've had a great relationship with him. Uh, going back to his days in Toronto, um, I think that he is such a good people person. His relationships are are really strong. He knows how to, um, despite being you know the age that he is, he still can connect with a younger generation. I think that's something really special, and and not all coaches have that, you know. And, and I think as, as a Pistons fan, you, you've got to wonder: is the grass greener, right? Like you may bring in like this X's and O's tacticianer who. Sure is incapable of connecting at any sort of emotional uh, level with his players. And then that, you know, kind of boils over and, 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 you know, as great of a scheme or a system as you have, if, if you can't communicate and work with your players and your players don't respect you, it's not going to work. Like we we've seen that time and time again in the NBA. So, um, you know, the things that you don't like about Dwayne Casey, I think are the things that, uh, you know, he'll he'll eventually once these players develop, and I think he's a really good player development guy. He works a lot with the young players. I think you know, I don't think he gets. And again, like people look at what happened in Toronto with Coach Casey, where the first year he's not there. <clears throat> excuse me, the first year he's not there, they win a championship, and they're like, "Well, see, Coach Casey couldn't get it done um, in the playoffs." Well, you also have to take a step back and recognize that that he built the foundation. Now, granted. They didn't have Kawhi, but but he developed DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. Uh, you know, Kyle Lowry was not an all-star until he came to play for Dwayne Casey, right? Like, and, and those things that he did built the foundation for them to be able to go trade for Kawhi Leonard and then go win a championship. And I'm not saying that the Pistons are anywhere near that right now, but I think he's the type of guy you want in your organization to help build a foundation and set a culture uh, for a successful future. No, I agree. And, and I do feel like I've started to get the reputation as the Dwayne Casey defender with like some of the Pistons fans I interact with on like a daily or weekly basis. And I, I just, I can see like what he did with Hamadou Diallo. And again, I know you don't like follow the Pistons exclusively, but you know, he set him for five games and they had a little spat on the bench. And then he started playing Hami Diallo again and Hami's been balling out since. I'm like, maybe that's what Hamadou Diallo needed. And right. so like, I know like, Sometimes I don't want to see people can't see the big picture because I'm nobody to judge. But sometimes I don't think we always know the inner workings of what's we, we absolutely don't know the inner workings of what's going on. And, and so it's interesting to hear you talk about the relationships. And I hope Pistons fans listen, that listen to this podcast hear that and kind of can respect that as well, that like Coach Casey is that guy. And even if the X's and O's aren't exactly what everybody wants, to me, the culture you know, you said culture there at the end, like that's the most important thing for a young rebuilding team. Yeah, it, it, right. And, and you know, a, a lot of organizations do it different ways, but I, I believe it has to start. Well, it's got to start with ownership and management, but but the, the direct, you know, front line has got to be the head coach and his coaching staff. So I, I think the Pistons are in good shape with Dwayne Casey. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the toughest thing for, for fans of teams that are going through with the Pistons are is to have patience. And, and I, I know there are things that could be better and things that, that, that fans want to be better. But, but the biggest thing that needs to happen is that these players need to get older, get more mature, and learn, right? Like, I, I, even if Cade Cunningham was the runaway rookie of the year right now, it still probably wouldn't lead to the Pistons being in a position where they're in, in the playoff mix, right? Like, and, and you can't just look at numbers. Certainly you want more wins. But I think what you're developing here is, is a culture and a mindset and, a, and an organization that is, is building a foundation for the future and not just trying to put random pieces together and say, all right, let's go try and be a 500 team and compete for the last 
a playoff spot. No, like the, the Pistons have greater aspirations than that. One person I've given a lot of credit to for that culture and that vision is Troy Weaver. What is kind of his perception around the NBA? What is what is your perception of Troy Weaver in terms of GM? And, and again, like I, I think sometimes we judge every micro move and yeah. not necessarily the macro of everything. Obviously, he's made some mistakes. Like in 12 months, he's probably made some – like we could nitpick. I have no doubt about that. But just as an – again, from the outside, big picture – what do you think about Troy Weaver thus far? I, I like him. You know, I, I like some of the moves that that they've that that he's done. Um, you know, some of these guys he's he's brought in, some of the guys he's taken a shot on, um, and I don't think he's done right. Like I think that I think they still have a a, a long way to go here, but um, you know, he seems to be a creative mind that is willing to uh, try different things, whether it be through the CBA or the salary cap or or, you know, and like this bowl bowl thing, I'm sure he is probably the most disappointed that that, that this didn't work because he, he, you know, said we have nothing to lose in, in trying to get a guy like that. So I think overall uh, he's viewed as as a really well-respected guy around the league. Yeah, and I, I've said that he has three big moves coming up, and then I think we can start to evaluate things a little bit more then. You know, what, what does he end up doing with Jeremy Grant? Obviously, they're going to have a, a pretty high 2022 draft pick and a little bit of cap space for the first time in his tenure this upcoming season, which he's done a d- pretty good job, in my opinion, cleaning up the books for the Detroit Pistons compared to what he inherited. And so I, I'm a big Weaver fan as well. I think a lot of fans still are. Um, but I definitely wanted to ask your thoughts on him. But we have about 10 or 15 minutes here. Uh, Wes, I'm going to bring you in, and we're going to please Sheet or Sham here and, and talk some topics just around the NBA about some of the upcoming opponents for the Pistons. The first one will be the Warriors. And I, I, after uh, Wes asked the question, Jared, I will give you a chance to talk about Steph Curry as well because that's you, you had a take on him on SiriusXM that I really like. So, Wes, get us started here with Sheet or Sham, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, uh, and the first question is going to be about Steph Curry, too, so it works out real well. Um, so, like always, uh, Sheed is true, Sham is false. Uh, Jared will have you go first, so I'll ask you, Stephen Curry, Stephen Curry leads the Warriors in assists per game right now, Sheed or Sham? Uh, Sham. I'll go Sheed, just to be the opposite. It is Sham. Uh, it's Draymond Green, 7.4. All right, so Jared, Steph Curry... I listened to you on SiriusXM talk about his shooting and just like how great of a shooter he was and kind of how he changed. Like, can you just give a little bit of that to our listeners, like what you kind of felt of see in him or have seen it from him in terms of the shooting? This was when he had bro- broke the NBA career three point shooting record. Yeah, I think I think the thing for me, and, and I know maybe people feel like we talk too much about Steph Curry because he's such a likable guy and you know he's fun to watch, but. I just hope people are not taking for granted what he has done for the game. And, and he truly has transformed the, the way that the game is played. And people, you know, are constantly trying to compare him to whether it be Ray Allen or Reggie Miller and say, well, if, if Ray Allen or Reggie Miller played in this era, then they would be doing what Steph Curry is doing. And, and I don't see that at all. And it's no disrespect to, to Ray or Reggie or any other great shooters the, the thing about Steph is he came into the Ray Allen and Reggie Miller era of the NBA and Steph Curry made it the Steph Curry era by extending his shot, by being so efficient. And I think what we lose track of is, yes, Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time, but he's not just the greatest shooter of all time. He's arguably one of the five greatest point guards of all time with the way he is a ball handler, with the way he absolutely wreaks havoc on defense is when he doesn't have the ball. You know, I, I heard Dwayne Wade say this the other day, and I think it's so true. Steph Curry might be more dangerous without the basketball than he is with the basketball. And and that's just insane for a guy who is the greatest shooter of all time. So I, I think that people just want to say, you know, and, and, and remember when Steph Curry was shooting as many threes as he was, you know, back when at the end of Mark Jackson's tenure and, and right when Steve Kerr came, people were scratching their heads saying, why, why are you doing this? You know, how, how does a coach green light this? It's, it's bad for the game. It's too many three point shots. It's too many three point attempts. And, and, and Steve Kerr, I had a conversation with him about this. He goes, Jared, when, when he's doing at a clip of 40% or better, why, why would I tell him to stop? Right. And he in Steph Curry is the one who forced his coach to allow him to do this because he was so darn good. 
If if other players were this good, then they would have forced their coaches to do this in, in prior eras. You know, we, we, we forget that Steph Curry made it, the Steph Curry era of shooting, and that's the bottom line. So no disrespect to anybody else, but but he is one of the five greatest point guards of all time on top of being one of the greatest shooters of all time, the, the greatest shooter of all time. And I think we, we, we shouldn't take his greatness for granted. No, I love it. Like, I, I just remember, I remember listening to that and it's like, this is, because per- I'm a huge Steph Curry fan. Like, outside of Detroit, he's probably my, my favorite player. He's one of the top, one of my favorite players of all time. And I just was like, yeah, like if he what, like you said, if he wasn't so good at it, he wouldn't have been allowed to do it. So he deserved just as much credit as Steve Kerr. I do. You, you talked about him without the ball. So real quick before we bring Wes back in. And I think a lot of Pistons will, will say that, you know, Rip Hamilton was great at this as well. And he absolutely was. But you've watched a lot more NBA and a lot closer than I have. Is he the greatest mover without the ball that you've personally witnessed? Yeah, I mean, Re- Reggie Miller is right up there, too. Um, you know, I remember him, you know, just driving defense is crazy with, with his inability to move. But, but to me, you know, the thing that, about Steph Curry that, that he has really highlighted for me is, is watching a Warriors game and then go watching most other games and just seeing the lack of, of, of man movement. It's just mind boggling. Like, don't you understand that he gets so many, like everyone knows, you know, even, even with Clay Thompson and, and when the Warriors were at their best, like and maybe not when Kevin Durant was there, but, but you know, the Warriors, as we know who they are now, I, I got to imagine in, in the scouting meeting or in film session, like the first, second and third thing you're talking about is Steph Curry, yet he still gets so many wide open looks. Well, why is that? It's not because defenses forget about him. It's because he makes their life miserable, right? And, and I think, um, you know, just seeing other teams, granted, I'm not asking other teams or other players to, to, to be like Steph in his ability to shoot uh, but, um, you know, just the simple things and, and you as a coach, I'm sure, you know, preach this to your players, like go fill the spot. Like, you know, a, a, a player sets a screen, you know, leaves the spot now, now go to that spot. And, and Steph Curry does that better than anybody I've ever seen in terms of his ability to just take advantage of the defense, not being where they're supposed to be. Yeah, he's, it's just absolutely incredible. And it's, it's such a good point about him or watching that team and then trying to watch other offenses. So, all right, Wes, I'll bring you back in. I know we got off on one there, but I definitely wanted to give Jared a chance to talk about that with Steph Curry. So question number two. Yeah, no problem. And we'll stick with uh, the Warriors again. And I will ask uh, Jared you first. So as of this recording, Sheed or Sham, Clay Thompson has not missed a single free throw. Ooh. Uh, I, I, I would say Sheed. Yeah, I'm going to go Sheed as well. It is Sheed. Yep, he's five for five so far. Nice. And I'm two for two. You are two for two. And and I'm on a three-game winning streak with this game. So um, trying to trying to knock it off here. So I believe we're moving on to the next opponent, Wes. Is that correct? We are, yep. We're on to the Kings. And uh, Jared, since you're the guest, I'll have you keep going first. So Sheed or Sham. De'Aaron Fox is shooting 25% from three this year. Ooh. He's been, he's been good this year. Um, I'll say Sheed. Okay. I'm going to actually say Sham. It is Sheed. He's shooting 25% oh, on 3.7 attempts per game. Wow. I, th- I thought his numbers were a lot better this year. That's crazy. Yeah, that I wouldn't have guessed. I, I didn't figure it was, there was any way that was. I'm gonna look up his his other years while you uh, throw the next one at us, Wes. Yep, sounds good. Uh, Jared's still you. So Sheed or Sham, Tyrese Halliburton is third on the Kings in blocks per game. Ooh, I would say Sheed on that. You said Halliburton is third. Yes. Jared said she. I'm gonna say Sham. I got to get back into it. It is Sheed. Oh, four for four. Yeah, he's averaging 0.7 blocks per game. Then Alex Lenz on top of him with 0.8. And Rashawn Holmes is leading the way with one. Wow. Um, so real quick. So De'Aaron Fox, career three points. So his rookie year, 30.7, 37, 29, 32.2, 25. So career low three-point percentage this season for De'Aaron Fox. Wow. Uh, Jared, real quick, what, what are your thoughts on Ty- Tyrese Halliburton? That's a name that comes up a lot around Pistons fans because of the draft, taking Killeen Hayes number seven. Obviously, Halliburton went after him. What have you, what have you liked or uh, about Halliburton so far in his young career? Yeah, love love his game. Um, you know, two-way player, guy that can play with or without the ball. 
Um, you know, kind of not all that different than, than the situation you guys are going in, in Detroit where, you know, with, with Killian Hayes being drafted and then you bring in Cade, can they play together? You know, the same thought process is like, why, why would you draft Tyrese Halliburton when you have De'Aaron Fox? But I think they've proven um, they, they can coexist. Um, you know, he, he's just plays the right way, plays hard. Um, you know, again, probably on a, on a really good team is, is a sixth man. Uh, but, you know, I think he's got a, a, a bright future. All right, so we have two more questions. I actually don't have a chance to even win this one. Right, so I've knocked you off. I've ended your streak. You've, al- you've already ended the streak, but just for the sake of the game and for the the work that Wes put into the Sheeter Sham questions, we will go ahead and do them. So we got two more, Wes. Go ahead and give us the second to last one. Yep, so we're going to the Nuggets now. Uh, so Jared Facundo Campazzo leads the Nuggets in steals per game, Sheed or Sham? Oh, that's Sheed. Jared sounded really confident with that one, so I'm going to say Sheed as well. I just did a Nuggets game, so if I got this one wrong, I'm going to be mad at myself. It is Sham. Yeah, he's second, 1.2. Jokic first, 1.3. Oh, wow. Wow, Jokic leads the Nuggets and steals. Interesting. Okay. Okay. All right, last one, Wes. Yeah, last one. So uh, going to fourth quarter scoring for the Nuggets. Bones Highland is second on the Nuggets in points per game in the fourth quarter. Sheed or Sham, Jared? just had a massive game last night. Um, I, I would say that's Sham. I'm going to go Sheed. It is Sheed. Oh, wow. Yeah. I finally got one. There you go. Yeah. He's averaging 3.6 points in the fourth quarter. Jokic again first, 4.7. All right. Well, uh, Jared crushed me uh, on that one, knocked me off my three-game win streak, but I was kind of expecting not, for that one not to go quite as well. Jared, thank you for playing. I, I, we it. always hope our guests enjoy that. Thank you for joining us. Um, I just give you a, a real quick uh, chance here. Um, let everybody know where they can find everything you're doing, Twitter, all the stuff you're putting out, obviously on TNT and, and NBA TV. And uh, thank you for joining us. We'd love to have you back, but let everybody know where they can find you. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun talking with you guys. Love love hearing the passion in your voice and, and how much you guys love the your team and, and the NBA as a whole. Uh, please give me a follow on Jared S Greenberg on Twitter at Jared S Greenberg on Twitter or Instagram and uh, on NBA TV a few nights a week hosting game time. And uh, you could also catch me uh, next week. I'll be doing a uh, Warriors Dallas game. So really, really good Luca versus Steph Curry game. Hopefully uh, Steph's wrist is okay. And uh, we get the Warriors and, and Mavs on TNT next Tuesday. Awesome. That'll be an exciting one. Make sure you check that one out. As always, I want to thank the producer of the Motor City Hoops podcast, Wes Davenport, for everything he does for me and Motor City Hoops as a whole. I also want to thank our listeners for your follows, subscriptions, likes, downloads, but most of all, your interactions. Please always feel free to drop a comment on the Detroit Bad Boy article or hit me up with a Twitter DM or Facebook message. My coaching schedule continues to be busy as we start our league tournament this week, but I will have an instant recap episode for you on Wednesday night after the Kings game, or most of you that probably ends up being Thursday morning with the late start. And we'll be back next week with Pistons fan, University of Michigan alum, and former Olympic bronze and silver medalist runner in the 1500 meters, Nick Willis. That's sure to be an episode you don't want to miss. Thank you. Go Pistons. And we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) 